Welcome to Silicon Slopes Live. We are joined by Kevin Pritchett, who is the owner and CEO of King's Camo, and this is in partnership with the Utah Outdoor Association. How are you? Doing good. Excited thank, to be here. Thank you for being here. Drove up from Spanish Fork. Spanish Fork, Utah. Spanish Fork. We have a few Spanish Forkians uh, on our staff here, and obviously Clint and Chris are proud to be from Spanish Fork. Okay, so let's just jump into it. Um, you bought King's Camo, but what was your kind of entrepreneurial career leading up to to that? Sort of, I'll, uh, by, not choice, but by desperation, I was telling you, I was out on my own at 18, sort of trying to find out what to do, and uh, started selling cars at a place, and uh, ended up buying the car dealership, and by 28, I had five car dealerships throughout Utah, and that was my business background, and through that I was successful and started venturing out to buy in some real estate deals, and uh, when things fell apart, 2008, nine, a lot of deals came about real estate-wise, and then uh, the guy that started King's was from Salem, Utah, which was there. I knew King's. I wore their stuff, and uh, anyway, he went down to Mount Pleasant, Utah, built a big uh, building down there in 2008-9 and that was not a time to try to expand and things caught up with him with the downfall and got in trouble and uh, anyway I ended up I, I, I didn't want it there and so I said I'll just buy the business I don't want the building I bought the business and then put it in linen along the freeway and uh, so business wise there hunting wise I grew up in Utah hunting everything that was my escape in life so very cool, and uh, you know, spending time on the on the website today, there's all sorts of awesome products. A lot are for hunting, uh, but there's also a lot of camping and uh, lifestyle. You know, these pants that you have on, you can wear those to work or church or golf or whatever. And you know, that's not a camouflage shirt, but that's king. So, um, by the company, and uh, what is, what was your role? in the early days? You have the inventory and the products. How did you aim to, to grow it? It's a different business for me because I understood the car business. I understood the basic business skills of having money and setting up and accounting-wise, but the, I didn't understand the clothing industry, which was completely different for me. So uh, the people that I got as managers there, one... Uh, Jed Nelson is there, was with them. He came over from King's. He was doing the stuff for them. So he's definitely knew the industry and the product. And then the other was Ryan Fouts that I knew from the outdoor thing. He was he started out as a buyer for Nordstrom's in their clothing. And then he went to Sportsman's Warehouse. And he was the clothing buyer for Sportsman's Warehouse. And then I, we brought him into King's. So I, I have two really good people that understood the industry and when you say what was mine, mine was just basically signing checks <laughs> giving them the money and the beans and they're, they're managing partners, they got a piece of skin in the game and so they, they've done well with it, I mean we've, we took it from struggling to now this last year we did about $10 million in sales so so key point is like bringing on the talent and the people that already know how to do that because you're in the business of kind of acquiring other businesses and you've got quite the portfolio, a diverse portfolio as well. Um, so on the, the product side, I assume the products, there's a lot more today 
than there was when you acquired it. Um, how do you guys, as a team, what's your involvement in kind of picking the products? Is it data based on consumers? Is it what you guys like and enjoy? How do you guys go about that? It's a little both. I mean, being an outdoor hunter, uh, you know, I get to know what works and I get to try out what we're trying. And so, you know, when everything we have, I've I've used in the field and, and put it to test. And so that's some of it. But a lot of it has to do with, you know, what the industry's doing. And the thing that my guys did that I think's really helped us the most is that we realized there's three different categories of hunters there's the guys that are just the weekend warrior that you know they don't want to put a lot of money into it because they're just going out a few weekends a year and, and that and then there's the what we call the the middle one that they you know they'll go take a week off vacation to go and and get a little more serious and they'll spend a little bit more money and then you got the serious hunter the one that puts in for everything in the surrounding states and so when we got it, there was just one line of camouflage clothing, basically polyester or cotton situation. So they've developed three three stages: or XKG, which is these pants, which is the top of the line for the, you know, they're little, they're just done well. So the XKG series is the top line, and the Hunter series is a medium, and then our cotton blends, which is the bottom. So we have three three categories in all our patterns that for that makes it to where people can fit. You know, the weekend warrior, you don't want to go spend $100 for a pair of pants, but they'll spend, you know, 25 for a cotton pair of pants or a shirt like you got on. <laughs> yeah. This is not King's Camo. No. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, you're diversifying the, the product offerings and there's differences of quality. Uh, it's changed a lot uh, in the time that you've... Uh, acquired the business, but it's changed a lot in the last 20 years. Um, you know, you used to go buy stuff off the shelf, and it was looked like uh, Army BDU camo. Now there's all sorts of patterns and, and displays. How do you guys stay on top of kind of the latest trends and what those camo patterns are and the offerings? Well, how King started was interesting that the guy that started it uh, was doing calendar wildlife calendars, and what he was taking is he'd take a set of antlers that had came off an animal that somebody had harvested that was a, a big trophy animal, and then he would Photoshop those on a live animal, and he put them in the calendar. And so here you had a trophy animal on the calendar page with a story behind it. This this was a real harvested with whatever not and, and, and he, he did well with the calendars is how he started but then also he realized he could go out and take pictures of sagebrush and oak leaves and stuff like that and transfer it onto clothing which wasn't done because before he just had the old army fatigues or whatever else not and you had people doing the digital stuff which is like QU or Sitka and stuff so this was a true life looking 3D thing and that's that's really what it's going and so that's what we've stuck along but the industry's changed it with QU and Sitka everybody's looking at a digital things so this year we're coming out with a digital pattern just sort of to keep up with things which is uh, people like it because it's a more of a modern look and so anyway that, yeah you got to keep up with the things and change you know we come out first with the desert shadow which is 
sagebrush and a western pattern, which really did well, because everything else like this was hardwoods and stuff back east. And then they come out to snow shadow, which is for our winter time to, for predator and, and waterfowl hunting. And then, you know, we, we've, we've come out some others now. We've got the lifestyle stuff. You know, we decided we can't just be a fall business and survive. And so we started doing lifestyle stuff and camping, backpacks, tents, sleeping bags and stuff. So Yeah, a lot of good stuff. And uh, of all the products that you, you have and have had over the years, which one's your favorite? Probably what I got on here, the XKG pants. I mean, these pants are so comfortable to wear out in the mountains hunting and whatever, not in the camouflage patterns. And then, uh, again, wear them around just every day. And they've been our, our number one seller probably because not only for people loving the diverse bile and for hunting, they keep you cool, they got the pockets. But, uh, I mean, I, I got guys in my neighborhood that, to church to go to that point and a lot of people that have to wear a, a comfortable dress sort of thing wear them for that so yeah. we're, we're working with a lot of the uh, law enforcement agencies are using them as their because they're a sort of a tactical pant too and yeah. and we just signed a thing with the utah division of wildlife resources it's going to be their 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 work pant too that's so. great very versatile product and a good market fit for a lot of people so that's a good one because it shows up on the uh, the balance sheet as a good seller as well yes <laughs> okay so um with the lifestyle uh products obviously you know the majority of the products that you had catered to hunters and and outdoorsmen but um how has the shift gone with these offerings for women kids and people that want to go into the great outdoors without a gun no for sure i mean you know, it started going that way, a little bit of a trend, but COVID's really pushed it. I mean, we've had the best year ever by far because so many people decided to get out of the house and go, you know, you can't buy a paddleboard or a mountain bike or whatever. So they're doing that. But not only that, the hunting license sales are up like 25, 30% or fishing. So are people just getting out and doing it. So they come in and, you know, they don't want something camouflage wise, but they want something that works you know, not the dress pants or a backpack and a sleeping bag and a tent. So no, it's 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 really been it's it's been good. And then when you say the women and the kids and stuff, we not only did we diversify by going three different styles of hunting levels for the hunter, but we got into the women women what didn't really have anything in the camouflage thing and the kids stuff, and that's done well. You know, uh, parents always like to. But it seems like families are doing more together out in the outdoors. So, Yeah. And then you guys are in a perfect spot to offer everyone in the family something. So anything with, you know, uh, clothing or some widgets that you can touch and hold, their supply chains, right? Was your guys' supply chain impacted at all last year? Yeah, it was. You know, what we try to do what we can here in the States, but a lot of it comes from from China is just what what the clothing industry is to try to compete or whatever not. And, yeah, it, it, it disrupted it a little bit. But, you know, the thing that's fun is that if I see a coat that's made by somebody else, it's maybe not even hunting, that's like a ski coat. We, ha we have a down coat now that we took that was like a ski coat mm -hmm. and 
you just take it and say, oh, you know, can we make this in a camel pattern and stuff? And same thing with the women's jacket. My wife went to Nordstrom's, found a jacket that she really liked that fit her well, that was woman-shaped, quality made. And we take it and said, you know, hey, this was this is what we're patterning after. So. so you guys will do research and development here with like a sew shop and testing and everything? Yeah, for sure. And uh, what's the kind of the timeline for a product from idea to being able to be bought? If it's in the States, like we do all our hats and, and our lifestyle stuff in the States, and it, it's not, it's, we can turn that around in three or four weeks' time. But if we do it over China, by the time, you always have to have them send samples because you never know for sure. So you tell them what you want, the sample comes back, go over there, they make it, and then it, it's too expensive to airship, so you got to put it on a cargo ship, on a container. So it, it's two to three months that way, which is tough. It's not like selling, you know, burgers where you go down and buy some more meat when you're whatever. So we have to sort of plan out what we are. And with COVID, it hurt us. I mean, we really had a good year, but unless you were a 3X or small, we ran out of a lot of our good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So um, impacted a little bit by by supply chains, and you kind of are hitting on some of the the pain points of a consumer company, uh, a lot of people don't ever think they have the skills or brain power to do like an Amazon type of startup or, or a tech startup. And a lot of people think they can do a consumer goods or outdoor retail um, startup or company. Um, but what are some of the, the hardest things of, of running a consumer or an outdoor company that people might not realize? I guess the biggest thing is money, cash is king. I mean, you know, to get into it and to go out and have these factories make, uh, you, you can't just say, oh, I want a hundred. I mean, we have to order in thousands or tens of thousands. And so, you know, that, it just it just takes money. And, you know, uh, Garrett, I, I guess the biggest thing for me that I learned in the car business that people ask me all the time, you know, what, what business school did you go to? I did and I learned by hard knocks and by successful in my business and I've tried to convey that over to Kings is, you know, it's, listen to the customer, listen to what they want. You know, they can tell you what they want, what works and, and if the customer buys a product with the same thing with the car thing, if they, they bought a car, they didn't like it, you know, they, I didn't have to take it back but if they came back not happy, what was used to tell them, oh, hey, it's yours. I mean, I, I took it back and made it work. And the same thing with this. If, if anybody's got a problem with a product, whatever, that they don't, even if they just don't like it, even if there's not a, a flaw, send it back. We'll take it back. You know, we want you to be happy. I mean, we have a great big room, cleared to the ceiling full of returns. But I, that's my philosophy with them is, you know, don't, don't do it. But anyway, just take care of the customer and, you know, I mean, the cliche is, you know, my wife all the time, somebody asked her, you know, Kevin tries all these different business, doesn't it scare you? And she says, yeah, but he just tells me we started with nothing. If we had to go back, he can. You just have to gamble, you know. I mean, hopefully I've thought it out, but worst case scenario is, you know, I've had some that I've have not work but yeah. if, if you don't try you know I, Renee Brown I don't really know Renee Brown her philosophy is you know you got to have vulnerability you got to get in the ring you got to get in the fight you got to be there at least if you don't win it at least you got in and tried you know yeah. 
No, that's great advice. The, listen to the customer, and every once in a while, just put your chips in the middle, and at least you're in the fray a little bit. Uh, has there been a product that you thought, you know, you go through the research and development, supply chain's good, everything's good, you think it's going to be a home run, and then it, it was a dud? Yeah, we, we, we tried these um, tents that were, they were pop-up tents that you that you just sort of got in them, and the, all the bars were there, and it was really neat because they popped up. But the thing of it was is they were, our cost was like almost $400, so we had to charge $600 for them. And people being that it was neat, that it went up quick and you push the button, sort of like these blinds, you know, that come down. Yeah. We, we thought this is going to be great, but we found out that people could go to somewhere else and buy a $200 tent and for Four hundred dollars. They take the time to put it up instead of being quick and being up in five minutes' time. So, no, we we had that. We ended up selling all of them at cost to get out of them. We lost a little bit of money on it, but so yeah, no, we've had you have those things. I mean, absolutely, yeah. For the economical buyer, sometimes you're factoring in the pain of, you know, you get to the campsite at midnight and you had that pop up. That would be nice, but it's not worth that two hundred dollars extra. And I guess that's part of the fun. It wasn't fun that time for you guys, but you also probably got it right on a few products as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, you guys have, obviously, a lot of ways to generate revenue. One, you know, people can buy it from your uh, website. They can go to dealers, uh, you know, Shields, Cabela's. I'm not sure entirely which ones you guys are in, but it's a lot. Um, but then you also have, like, partner networks, and you have, like, certified users or guides. Um, how does that part of a consumer uh, company kind of factor into the bottom line? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we, we're online, which is about half our business, and the other half is, like you said, we're, we're, we're not in Cabela's yet. We're, we are in Shields, we're in Sportsman's Warehouse, we're in Cow Ranch, uh, a lot of other places and stuff. But uh, then, then we found out that the secret is partnering with people in the same industry, because we have this base as followers. Again, it's my gurus with the, t- the tech. I don't understand the Instagram, Facebook, all this stuff. But you have all those people that follow you on it. But that's we get to the point where we're saturated. So if you go to these other places that are doing another product in the outdoor world that has a whole different thing, and we can go there and piggyback and say, oh, you know, through them you'll get a discount. It, it helps us, gives us to their people, but not only helps them because, you know, we put their stuff on us too, so it showcases their product to a, an audience that they don't have either, and we found that that, when you, what you found, what's going with the, looking at Mojo and then going to... Yeah, uh, yeah. it's, it's been interesting because, um, you, you know, you, you might be in the same industry, like, you know, these big trade shows, you know, you've got a lot of competitors there and then a lot of frenemies and then a lot of just actual partners but if you leverage it right with these partner networks and you know, obviously social media there's there's a lot of platforms out there that I think are uh, well utilized and I think there's probably a new idea every once in a while of how you can get your your stuff out to market in a different way yeah there is and then the, you, you said we have ambassadors that are on social media that if they want to if they got a certain amount of followers, we'll give them all the product 
and you know that's what they do. That's their thing. And if they do well enough, they even make some money at it if they yeah. get enough. And you know those guys. That's that's crazy how it all works. But <laughs> yeah, you know, ten, twelve so, years ago, that would have been you know unimaginable. I oh, guess. Oh yeah. So and that's kind of a dream for a lot of folks if you can get the product and. You, t you take pictures and write good stories about it and use it. Uh, it's kind of a pretty good deal for them. Also a good deal for you guys because the followers. Well, it's, yeah, it's a win-win. I mean, again, how far they're along, whether free product or some of these guys. I, you know, I had a house that I was selling in St. George here just a few weeks ago. and A pretty expensive house. Some 30-year-old YouTuber was looking at it, and I, I asked my realtor, you know, does he qualify? Send me over a letter. I had <laughs> cash. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> He's qualified. Yeah, there's all sorts of interesting ways to make money in 2021. Um, okay, so you had a good year despite COVID. Um, obviously, you guys are aggressive and bullish and growing this business and some of your others, but uh, what are some of the plans that you have for, for the future to grow? Is there any like acquisitions with smaller competitors? How are you guys looking at that? Uh, no, you know, we look at different ways to grow. I've looked at going and getting with some of these equity funds and stuff, but when they come in, they, they want a big chunk of the business and they want to tell you how to do things. And we, we don't like that. So we've just <laughs> stayed ourselves. The, the way to grow is, like I said, we finally broke down and doing the digital pattern that'll come out this year. So that, you know, we, we've sent it out to our buyers and, and everybody loves it even more than we even thought. So the, uh, we'll, we'll go that route. And we, we just grow every year and each year put more into it. I mean, so that's Put, put our own money that we've made. We don't take it out. We just keep it in there and 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 hopefully more bread on the shelves to sell more bread, you know? Yeah. That sounds like a Spanish fork answer. Uh, we don't like being told what to do and we'll just uh, keep doing it ourselves. Um, so as uh, as you look into the future um, in the, with the industry as a whole, uh, as you mentioned, most things are up. Licenses, outdoor participation, um, do you anticipate that kind of falling off eventually, or do you think it'll stick for a while? You know, it was a little scary because the hunting side of it, license sales were going down, more people were getting out of it. and So I'm involved in hunting organizations, would work hard to get kids, younger kids involved and so to, to, for our industry and stuff. And, and some of that stuff was helping, but this COVID thing's been unbelievable of, of showing people what the outdoors has to offer if they've had nothing else to do i think when we things change yeah we'll see a little bit of a slack off but i i think you know the people i've talked with that's never done it before of love it now they, they're not going to stop so you know and, and that's why it's been you know i've many times taken people from the city out on a hiking hunting experience and you know, it's not much to get them hooked on it. I mean, if once you get them out there, so it's it's just that. So I ho I hope it keeps going. I hope that people keep enjoying the outdoors and what we have. I mean, we're living in Utah, which is the, the heart of it all, and Utah's done well at putting stuff together, hunting wise and outdoor wise and hiking trail wise. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I hope uh, I hope it continues, and uh, there isn't a drop off because it's it's pretty fun and. It, you know, the, whether you like hunting or fishing or not, like 
a lot of that money goes to keeping things clean and updated and animals safe and uh, poachers in jail, hopefully, all of that. So there is a there is an impact for the broader community, not just the hunters, if hunters are paying, you know, for the licenses and stuff. Um, and so looking forward a little bit, um, do you guys uh, anticipate kind of putting more R&D into uh, the camping and kind of lifestyle businesses, or are you guys going to kind of zero in on, on hunting? No, I, I think we'll do both. Now, that, let's open up again. It, like I said, we did it to not be just a 180-day you know, year business. We wanted to be a 360, and so so that that helped that way. And you know, we found the niche in some areas, and so and it helps to correlate. Like I said, the pants and a lot of things. We can do the same thing with the backpack. We could do a backpack that's plain colored that you can use to take to school or do whatever, or we could do one with camouflage that the hunter uses. Or, uh, you know, same thing, sleeping bags are plain colored, but sometimes we put a little bit of a, you know. The, the other thing that's interesting with our industry, which it's slacked off a little bit because Duck Dynasty's faded out, but Duck Dynasty made it basically where camouflage to the restaurant or to the show house was sort of... <laughs> thing. I mean, it really helped the, the the outdoor clothing industry a lot by just who they were being crazy. I mean, yeah, yeah, that was a big boon, and they had a, they had a really good run. I happened to be down in Monroe, West Monroe, Louisiana, and uh, down there with a the buddy, and he's like, "Oh, you'll see them." I'm like, "No, we won't." Anyways, we went golfing, and they were a group in front of us, and a couple of them had camo on. But then we just see them driving around, and they had you know, camo on, so they, you know, they weren't doing that for the, for the show at all, they were very genuine. No, they are, yeah, that's, yeah, and they made it that way everywhere, because people seen them doing it and realized that was, you know, accepted now. Yeah, all right, so you've got kind of an important meeting or something at King's Camo, or somebody invites you on a cool hunting trip, which one do you do? hunting trip for sure yeah that's probably the right answer life's too short right you can always circle back on the business side of things uh, all right last question um like i mentioned before some people might think it's easy and fun to launch a, a consumer company with products and stuff what advice would you have for a young entrepreneur that would like to get into this industry or anything kind of outdoor retail what is a tidbit of wisdom like i said my first and tidbit I tell everybody business-wise is customers always first and the customers always right and find out what the customer likes don't you know don't be a pushy salesman and sell them what you want to sell them let them tell you what they want to be sold and, and that's the secret there and then the, that, that to the product and then in the business world the failures I've seen is and some of it's beyond circumstance of what you've done yourself. Like Kings was a little bit with the downfall of the economy hit hard right then, but but most of the time I see guys get into it. It's a little bit successful. Oh, this is great, and the, and they start running before they walk, and it, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> you, you'll trip and fall. I mean, so to me. You know, get in it, try it, find it, find the niches, you know, find the customer base and 
and then customer's always right and take care of the customer and, and go slow and it, it'll all come. I mean, you know, we, we ourselves could have done that. I mean, Walmart could come to us and Costco and stuff and those are big doors and I could make a lot of money at it, but then I don't, I can't keep on what I want to do, which is make a good product and keep people happy where I'm at. I'm not ready to go that big. You know, money-wise, it looks good, and my bank account would be great, but I could trip real quick because Walmart's really picky. I mean, you make them mad or piss them off, and you go from the middle top shelf down to the bottom shelf at the back row, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very cutthroat at those I'm higher levels. Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good advice. Customers always right. Go at your own pace and find those niches and... Uh, uh, don't get tripped up by going too fast. Well, very cool. Um, yeah, we were going to try to f see if we could record this outdoors, maybe up like Diamond Canyon or somewhere up Spanish Fork Canyon. Didn't didn't come together, but maybe in a year or two we can uh, circle back and and see what you guys have come up with in the in the interim, and then we could record it and, and film it up there and uh, make a day of it. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Thank um, you. Looking forward to. Uh, you know, checking out on your website and seeing all these new cool things coming down the chute. So are we. Thanks, Garrett. Thank you.